Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Rachel Wild for Female Startup Club. Hello and welcome back to the show. It's Dune here, your host and hype girl. If you're new around here, we love to understand the insights and the playbook behind the brands that we love and buy. And if you're an OG listener, well, love you, you know what this is all about. Today's episode is actually a follow-up to our original episode with Rachel back from 2021, I think it was, which I'm actually going to link in the show notes in case you want to circle back for all of that early stage, juicy story stuff and her specific blueprint for getting this brand off the ground. And I love today. I love doing episodes like this because so much has happened between then and now. Like so much has happened. Rachel's since merged with another skincare company. She's launched TBH Skincare into hundreds of Priceline stores around Australia. And she's just got so many good insights when it comes to her approach to marketing. She's a big believer in grassroots guerrilla style marketing, which I personally just absolutely love. It is so my vibe. And there is so much gold packed in here. It's totally packed. It's a great episode. And there's a few crazy stories sprinkled in here and there, maybe like towards the end, especially. If you love this episode, shout about it, tell a friend, honor the girl code. And total side note, which I want to hear from you. I'm thinking about having our next meetup in November, and I'm trying to decide if we should do it in Sydney, which is where I'm based, or Melbourne, so I can have a little weekend away. So let us know in the DMs, Female Startup Club on Instagram, where should we host our last Aussie catch-up for the year, if it should be Sydney or if it should be Melbourne. I would love to meet you, RAL. Let's get into it. This is Rachel Wild for Female Startup Club. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, girl. Welcome back. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. I know. Part two on the books. Well, on the podcast books. <laughs> How's your day going? What have you been up to? What's happening in your world this week, today, this month? Oh. What's going on? Um, well, it is September, almost October now, so I'm really starting to feel the heat in terms of it being our busiest time of year. Yeah, Black Friday, gifting, yeah. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I know, all of that. And this week I actually had two new starters on the same day coming on a Monday. So that always, yeah, is a busy time when you've got new people coming into the team, which is obviously really exciting. But uh, it's been a little bit of a chaotic week. I am feeling it. So yeah, this morning, what did, what was I doing? Basically replying to emails because I had, I do Wednesdays in the office. So the minute I'm in the office, I'm often in meetings, which means come Thursday when I work from home, I've often got like quite a backlog of work to get through. Yes. All the executing gets done on Thursday. Who yes. were the two new starters? Like what, what are the roles? We hired in a head of growth. Um, which is actually a really exciting role for us. So that person is looking after all of the performance marketing channels in the business and really responsible for driving 
like the actual revenue um, when it comes to marketing. So very much like growth hacking, even like, you know, that's across CRM. So like email, SMS, but also the paid marketing channels and basically just looking at all of our channels from like quite a data led point of view, which is nice because it's actually the team at the moment was like very content brand sort of led, which is always how we've done things. But I feel like we were really missing that strategic person in the team to drive the growth. So yeah, the duo now of mixing your really strong organic content story, storytelling side of things with like strategic data-driven paid marketing mixed together is going to be Amazing. When you bring on someone like that, you know, that's obviously a big role. Are they working across both brands or like, and we'll get into this like a little bit later. So I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but are they going to be working across both? Yes. The whole team at the moment is actually across both. So there's no one in the business who just works only on one brand. Got it. Got it. Got it. And for someone like that, sorry, (laughs) even before we're jumping into the episode, for someone like that, when you bring on a new starter, I imagine at this point, you know, you're three, four years into the business, you've probably hired, you know, a, a key number of people. What do you do to bring on a new role and make it a success? I think having the like roles and responsibilities of that role very clearly defined from the beginning is really important. And I've actually sort of just gotten to a stage with the business where it's critical to set up people with like clear and almost like independent responsibilities rather than like working collaboratively across everything all the time. There's just too much going on. So when I'm bringing in a role like that, it's setting them up with really clear goals and KPIs, but also just hiring in the right person with the right experience. I think because we are at that more like scale up not even startup stage anymore. We have the ability to bring in these people. And when you do that, I think you just have to set the parameters, but then let them go because the people that you're able to bring in are really high caliber, which is very lucky. So it's like, you know, it's just up to them to make it what what they want to. And how did you find, like, how did you hire for this role at this stage of the business? Are you working with recruiters? Are you going, you know, with referrals? Like what's the kind of hiring process? Yeah, this was the first role that I went and hired with a recruiter because it was just so important. And anyone who has gone through trying to hire themselves um, knows just how like time consuming and painful that is. We, the other role that started was a graphic designer role and we did do that hiring process ourselves. Um, And it was a lot of work. We actually got over 500 applicants. So it's just a lot to then go through. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. 500 is a lot. Oh my gosh. Well, Mm. congrats. I'm excited for you. I'm Excited to see how this kind of starts to, you know, position itself across the digital landscape, especially in the lead up to something like Black Friday and and Cyber Monday weekend where everyone's going hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So last time we spoke, I think it was like, I don't remember what month, but it was 2021. At that point, you'd had incredible success already. You'd done over a million dollars in sales in the first 18 months. You'd done a friends and family raise for 250. You'd done a crowdfunding campaign for 460. You were working with your mom. You were crushing it with influencers. Two years or maybe even three has now passed. And I've obviously been hype girling you from the sidelines and watching everything that you've been doing. And I want to kind of pick things up from where we left off. I want to understand the journey in these past couple of years, especially leading to the fact that you went through a merger 
earlier this year, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I look back at like our last conversation in 2021 and I just feel like I was a total baby back then. <laughs> I just was so green and so early on in the journey and I didn't even really realize it at the time. Um, but yeah, so since then, I think after I spoke to you it would have been pretty quick after we'd done that equity crowdfunding um, raise. And that was an amazing process to go through and obviously a successful one for us. So much work. I remember being in COVID and I think I was just doing seven day work weeks on repeat, long hours, because getting something like that over the line and trying to run a business with no team is crazy. Was it just you at that point? You and your mum? I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Um, and we had like, I think we had a part-time marketing person as well. So we went through sort of the equity crowdfund. And then once COVID ended, one of the key things that changed for us was that we actually moved into an office and we went into a co-working space in Alexandria where we could store all of our products, pick and pack daily. So there was like all the facilities like forklifts and pallet jacks and all these things there that we could use to like take deliveries. And then essentially there were courier pickups by the day in within that working space that we were able, it was just a really good fit for where we were. So we did, went and did all the pick pack from there and also set up our little showroom, which is what it was called with the desks to work from as well. So it was really like the first time that I then had a workplace to go to and it actually changed everything for me as a creative person to get out the house, to like be amongst other people in a co-working space who were also going through what I was going through at the same time, which was a really painful part of the business. You know, I think I remember about five months after joining that co-working space, by then I'd met like all these incredible women actually in the building and we set up like a little hackathon and did one night together where we just like told it basically brought like our biggest problem at the moment to the meeting for us all to sort of like think about together. And it was during a time where I think everyone was going through the same problems where direct response marketing. So essentially like all of your paid performance marketing channels were like CPAs were blowing out and it was becoming like really hard to get that like acquisition. And so we were all there with like the same problem and it was just nice. I think we all had a wine and like, I think (laughs) like there were maybe some tears shared (laughs) and it was just like, I think that was really a critical time for me and it was a really great time to sort of like get through a harder time in the business. What was the problem that you came with? Um, Not having enough cash really. Like I think we invested heavily in new product development and we sort of had a focus on bottom line um, at that stage of the business just to try and improve our profitability, which is so hard. And then you become strapped for cash and it's like you can't invest in growth. And when you're small like that, like you're just stuck between a rock and a hard place. And yeah, we definitely got to a point where it was like, okay, turn everything off. We're going to keep the lights on. And there were other people in the room that were feeling the same thing. And what was the kind of outcome? Like what was the solution that was kind of formed for you? The solution for me was to like go back to finding ways to get that acquisition without spending money, which is um, an in like it's such a hard thing to do, but um, it requires a lot of grit, persistence and creativity. Yeah. So what did you do? How'd you fix it? Like what were those, you know, like initiatives? Yeah. I mean, look, 
I turn to organic content massively. And it's funny because everyone I talk to associates TBH skincare with like an aggressive organic content strategy. And I think it was just born out of like these humble beginnings where we just didn't have any cash. And so that was like the pillar that we had to lean on. It's funny because now, even when I do have the cash, I'm like, we can't even, I, like my opinion is it's not even worth spending the money unless you've got that down um, because it just makes everything more efficient. So it's actually been a beautiful learning curve for me to you know, essentially be put in that hard place and learn some good lessons. But I did have, I always say like I sort of have some sort of a marketing or content God looking down on me at <laughs> all times because they delivered me a little gem in the form of a radio shout out by Abby Chatfield, who had worked with the brand before and loves the brand, but we weren't working with her at the time in like a contract. And she just gave the product a random shout out on her radio show. And it got sent to me like five days after the segment aired. I decided, you know, at the time organic content was everything and I never let anything pass me by without like turning it into some sort of content. So I went and sat in my car and I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this for the first time through my car radio on Spotify. It was like a saved Spotify episode and record like a blind react on TikTok. And then I actually chucked it up on my own personal page. I literally recorded it, sat in the car, edited it like so quickly, chucked it up, closed TikTok. Cause I'm actually, I am probably more now, but at the time I wasn't that addicted to TikTok. Like I'd open the app every, like once every five days, I was more like an Instagram, you know, immersed in Instagram. And I literally like woke up the next morning. So it was like maybe 4.30 PM and I didn't even check it. And I woke up the next morning and I had like a hundred orders in from new customers. And I was like, what? And then I opened TikTok and the video was at like 70,000 views. But because it was like the social proofing element of like Abby giving it a shout out, but then it was made like, it was an organic moment of me sharing it in the car from my personal page. It was like all these little layers stacked up. And then we sat on like a viral TikTok moment and there's viral TikTok moments that are amazing and grow your awareness. And then there's viral TikTok moments that grow your sales, which are so rare. How did you leverage that? Yeah. So then from there, it was like, how can we get like media coverage out of this growth, which we, you know, went and secured. And then we put those media placements into meta ads, which then drove sales. Our CPA across a four month period was $9. Wow. Wow. What what year are we talking about here? Like, is this 2022? 2022. 2022. And yeah. for anyone listening who's not in Australia, Abby Chatfield, she's a personality here. She's very well known and she's amazing. And holy shit, that's like a dream, really. Like getting something organically shouted out on her show, you know, you can't do better than that. Okay. So that's 2022. That's an organic moment where you're like, yep, this still, you know, this stuff works. What happens then? What are you kind of focusing on? So simultaneously, whilst that happened, we were already raising capital. So we were talking to private equity firms and, um, you know, we had like, whilst I say we went through a period where we were strapped for cash, the business model was really great in that we were being propped up by repeat revenue from customers. So we had a really high retention rate, which for investors was very attractive because what they could see was the minute we could acquire a customer and had enough money to acquire a customer, we could bring them back. And then they could see the 
essentially the path to profitability with the business, which at that time, it was a really hard capital market to raise in, still is. Um, You know, you had tech companies valuations being like literally courted and it was ugly. But then what actually became the focus was sustainable growth. And for a product-based business like ours, we could actually demonstrate it. So it kind of worked in our favor, although we went through so many conversations with different private equity. And then we came across this private equity firm who said, hey, like they looked at the business model and we were hugely like, we were all e-com basically. And so what happened was they looked at the business model and then realized that another business they had invested in could actually be a really nice like joint harmony because Boost Lab Serums, who they had previously invested in, were very retail focused and had really good strengths across like international markets and expansion and sort of the CEO had been involved in other beauty businesses before they sort of had another layer of experience and different skill sets that we didn't have. Um, but then we had a really good understanding of e-com brand building. And then my um, co-founders got amazing financial skills. So she's an accountant and financial analyst and they were missing that part of their business too. So they actually recommended that we meet the founder and have a chat with him, which we did. And from that moment on, it was like, literally took one meeting and we were like, okay, we think this guy is lovely. Like obviously culturally, when you're doing a merge, it's really important that you like the people that you're going into business with. So we really liked Craig and um, he saw the business model and was like, what we could do together would be amazing. And so what we realized was instead of trying to build these things independently, we could actually come together and build something together much more efficiently and scale the businesses much quicker than what we could on our own. Um, and essentially that was in August. So it was actually before this whole Abby Chatfield thing kicked off and then the Abby Chatfield thing kicked off. And then we were already like in talks of a merge and then, yeah, basically the merge happened and it took a while obviously for legals and everything to get through. So we signed it in March of 2023 and came together as one team. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions. (laughs) I love that for you. First of all, congrats. When you're saying like emerge, emerger, like specifically, what does it mean? Does it mean that like both entities are now one entity? Do you still have equity? Like, is where's the equity? Like, what happens? Like, and like, how do you negotiate? Were you both were both brands like kind of of equal stature at that point? Like, no. What does it look like on paper? Yeah, um, there was a negotiation process definitely where we got to a point where we felt like it was a win-win. And so it was funny because it was different on either side. Like our our thinking was like, you know, we get this established team and we get access to funds and then we also can, but ultimately, you know, and then for them it was like they get the skill sets that we bring in there. But ultimately what it came down to was we can be so much better together than we can be independently at a much faster rate. Um, and much more efficiently. So once we had like sort of agreed on that, it was negotiations. But what happens in a merge is essentially there was a new parent company established and both of our equity then became equity in the parent company. Um, And so it was just negotiating what that split was across either entities because they had shareholders and we had shareholders. So it was complex, (laughs) but lots of legals. Yeah. Does it mean that like the actual company TBH and the actual company Boost Labs effectively ceases and it's all under New York or do those companies still exist and it's just a company up the top 
overarching as well. So those companies still exist, but as a corporate structure, they still exist whether or not we'd wind them up because essentially all the trade then goes through York Street. But that's obviously a transition that we're even still going through now in terms of corporate structure. But yeah, it is very much that parent company, but then the brands sit independently underneath and still have their own sort of company structure, but all of the trade is going through York Street. Got it. And from like the org chart point of view, is it basically being like, okay, well, you know, there's, you know, you and Bridget on this side and you have X amount of team members and there's Craig and everyone else on this side. Is it about finding a place for everyone and merging them together? Or is it about like, okay, let's find the best talent within the two companies and kind of like merge those people and kind of like let some people go? We were so lucky in that they were so lean and we were as well. So a lot of the stuff that we had, we had outsourced to agencies and, you know, like it wasn't like we had, I had one part-time marketing coordinator and that was it. And they had their like head of sales and head of innovation and no one else. So actually by the time we'd merged, they'd hired an ops coordinator, but she came in. So essentially there was no overlap. And that's the other reason why we loved the merge is there's, there was no overlap whatsoever. So at a management level, you had like, I went in to CMO, which was obviously the natural position. Bridget went into CFO. Again, there was no one else there to take that CFO role. Craig stepped up into a CEO role, which he basically like was for Busab anyway. And that was also a natural, like that wasn't something that either Bridget or I wanted anyway. So it was like, that was very natural. And it was nice because that, that CEO is responsible essentially for raising capital. That was sort of like the main thing that we saw and that was definitely Craig. Um, and then we, uh, Raj is our COO and he was sales. So he's now sort of like sales and ops. Um, and the head of innovation, Curtis, stayed as head of innovation. So the management team did not change and then we didn't really have anyone else in the business. Then we were able to build the team underneath from there. Wow. A little smooth operation you've got going on there. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And so, you know, that happened as as of March this year, you, you know, merged together, you're under the same roof. How do you then start kind of cross-transferring, you know, they were strong in retail, you were strong in e-com. How do you kind of like start cross and like making the wins on either side? And what were the wins? Yeah, it started actually in December. Actually, it started in November because I think I was like, you know, naturally when you then know basically like this was happening, they were like, okay, let's talk about retail. I was like, give me the e-com, you know, like everyone just got involved straight away, which was amazing. So we were already in conversation with Priceline, had already had an an initial like um, pitching meeting with Priceline and it was very recent. So they was like actually sitting with Priceline for review when they came in. And then Raj was like, right, we're going to fly, like we're flying to Melbourne um, and we're going to go see Priceline. And then I was like, okay. And so he like came in and joined those conversations with Priceline, which was critical in getting us sort of the, the distribution that we had and um, well, were able to secure in the end. And then I took on their e-com, but also their branding at the same time. So then I did a whole bunch of focus groups straight away with different um, sort of demos. And I actually brought in a consultant to help me, um, who I knew from the co-working space that I was in, who was um, sort of doing consulting work. So then she came in and the two of us sat down and reassessed the positioning of Boost Lab. Uh, We actually shifted it and then kicked off an e-com strategy based on those learnings and repositioned the brand tone of voice and target demographic slightly. So then once we'd done that, and even like they, I don't think they were doing Black Friday. And I was like, we need a Black Friday deal, like literally like two weeks before. And I'm just, yeah, <laughs> jumping in to be like, this is what we're going to do. And I put them, basically all of the agencies that we were then working with just started working on Boost Lab and plugging them into that ecosystem gave them an immediate lift. So that was such a quick win. And then, yeah, basically from there, it's um, extrapolated out. So we then had funds for the launch into Priceline and we had them, you know, supporting us with that. And Craig, the CEO is such a believer in like brand and we're very aligned on that. So he's like very supportive of investment behind brand. So, you know, I finally had a budget to work with, which I'd never had before. So was able to create a big moment out of the Priceline launch. And then, you know, we started focusing on their brand from like a PR events, ambassadors, influencer point of view with the new alignment that we'd given them. And then doing that and pairing it with e-com and focusing on their social strategy, we started seeing some huge wins. So come 
sort of where we finished FY23 as a combined business in the last quarter, we've done that financial year revenue pretty much because it's like a five times growth for both businesses because we just come together and yeah, we've been able to build, which is great. Oh my God. I love that. What was the Priceline brand moment? Like what were you able to kind of, what was the idea and like, what was the impact? So because it was such a big deal that we'd, you know, landed the ultimate retailer that we wanted to get in because it was always Priceline for TBH. Um, I was like, okay, I want to make something special out of it. So we actually hired a creative agency to create like this beautiful branded campaign video with Olivia Molly Rogers, who I secured as the ambassador for TBH because she had actually already used the products, but was a Priceline ambassador. So can only promote Priceline products. And so when I found out we were going in, I was like, we need her like for the launch. And so, yeah, she um, came up to Sydney. We filmed this beautiful campaign video to actually announce that we were going in. So we layered it with like this ambassadorship, but then also sort of like a small business story win at the same time. And then we ran like an event with Olivia in Melbourne and having Olivia's face to TBH Skincare and Priceline for the event mean that meant that we got all the influences there that we wanted. And it was just all executed to the level that like, you know, I had dreamed of because we stacked all these things on top of each other. I'm just such a fan of like leveraging everything where you can. So then, um, yeah, it just turned into this big like bang. So when we announced it, it was like, we got really good media coverage. Um, we got, you know, we had Olivia announcing it on her page. We had beautiful campaign imagery. We had billboards in centres, you know, in the big Westfield centres with that campaign imagery. We had the launch event, yeah. And then ultimately we just amplified everything on organic socials. And then any creative that worked organically, we then put straight into ads and it was like wildfire, Yeah. Are you able to share like, you know, ballpark figures, what you spent overall on that campaign, like for working, you know, with an ambassador, for working with billboards, for working with, you know, whatever it was, ads, kind of ballpark, and then what the actual kind of ROI on that was? Yeah. Yeah, look, I would say... And the event, obviously. Yeah, so if we count, because we also ran some BVOD placements during that time, so there was an out-of-home... A broadcast video on demand. So like your streaming platforms. So we did some video placement. So I think all up, like if you count, and this was maybe over the first quarter of launch. So BVOD placements, the out of home, Olivia as the ambassador, the event and the content shoot, like taking into account like the entire content piece as well and what that costs to create, probably 250K to 300k but not I wouldn't even say it was that much and then sort of ROI um I think we did about a million dollars through Priceline in maybe 12 weeks oh wow yeah Yeah. nice (laughs) yeah yeah so I mean it worked really well for us retail and I think because we'd invested so much organically in the brand yeah, up until that point, I think then making it physically available with retail because we were already not mature in that way, but we we were established already. There was a foundation there. Yeah, and then we invested so much into the launch. I think it just all came together really nicely. And the partnership with Priceline was one that made a lot of sense for us. It was the right retailer for us to be in. Mm. 
When you look at that, like now you've kind of, I guess, got this case study of, you know, a proven playbook on how to A, launch into a retailer, B, how to create an epic brand moment um, and leverage that moment. How often would you do something like that? Like, is that like a once a year thing or are you kind of like, let's roll this out once a quarter or you're like, let's do this monthly? (laughs) I think, I think my team's like, (laughs) knows that I'm like addicted to these things now. So like, I just like to create moments out of everything that we possibly can and leveraging things like across all channels. So I would say we're probably rolling these so I don't know, we're doing like activations with other brands. We're doing podcasts, like little mini series. So we've always like, we're doing these things maybe like once a month. Got it. Got it. So it's kind of like trying to do them as much as possible at different kind of scales. Yes. Let's talk about like some in particular, because I definitely want to talk about the Margot stunt that you did. I definitely want to talk about what you did on the weekend at Kuji. Let's kind of like talk through a few of your favorites that you've either just done or have coming up. Yes. So Margot Robbie was obviously, it cost nothing. So that that campaign had a budget of $0. Talk us through it for anyone who didn't see it. (laughs) So Margot Robbie was coming to Australia for her Barbie press tour. And we have weekly sort of content brainstorming sessions where we look at for organics, like what's going on, what's trending, what's happening, how can we leverage it on socials? And we had highlighted that obviously Margot coming to Sydney for the press release was, or the press tour was one of those opportunities that maybe we could piggyback off for content. And the, the prem or the, I think she was doing a meet and greet, which was at Pitt Street Mall, which is literally like maybe 200 meters away from our office. So we started like brainstorming ways. Okay. There's going to be so many people down there. Like, how can we go and leverage that? So it started with like, do we vox pop people in the crowd or like, you know, do we go down? And like, so it was just like, we were throwing all these ideas out there. And one of the girls was like, why don't I do a video, like trying to get Margot to pose with the products. And so it was like, um, we'd even concepted like a TikTok video. It was like, um, my boss said that if I could get a photo of Margot with the products, then I could get like a week off work. And then <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So we'd concepted things like that. And then we were in the meeting and I was like thinking like, okay, so there's going to be all these people standing around waiting for her. And I'm like, what if we throw them a decoy? Like, what if we make them think that she's arrived, but she hasn't? Um, (laughs) so this whole concept of impersonating Margot before she was supposed to arrive came up. Now, obviously we didn't want to piss off Westfield too much because obviously throwing a decoy in the middle of their campaign wouldn't be great for them. So we actually did keep it away from Pitt Street Mall. We kept it like in the surrounding sort of like area. And what happened was I dressed up in like a pink dress and pink heels and, got two of the girls to be like my bodyguards. They were like meant to be my PR team actually behind me. And then I got Raj in the office (laughs) to be my body, like to be a bodyguard at the front. (laughs) He like was wearing this little cap and taking it very seriously. Um, And then I got the girls to run down and be like um, sort of like fans or whatever the in, the, in the crowd. Girls. So, oh my God, I love Yeah, that. so then they were like standing there with their phones up being like, Margot, and like shouting. So then people would think that it was her. Like I didn't just wait for random people to think what the hell's going on. So um, 
we went out of the building essentially from work and then just started doing this. And it, and then I didn't know what was going on because my head was down the whole time because I was just like looking down and hiding my face. And then um, like the girls behind me were like, yep, yep, it's working, it's working. Like people have their phones out, people have their phones out and like full like, like cameras were there like taking photos. So yeah, it was, um, but basically it was just about securing an, a content for TikTok that would go viral. And so then the girls... Like it was, we were only walking around for like maybe half an hour, not even. And then we went back to the office and then we actually went back down and I walked across the, um, there was like a Westfield bridge that like was right above the, um, activation, like happening below it. And I found when we went down, cause I was like, Oh, I actually want to go see Margot. So we just went down to like, see if we could find her and like see her coming out. And then I saw this Westfield bridge and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to go up there. And this was like not even part of what we'd planned. But then I like ran up to the footbridge and then like ran across and there was security there. And I was like, and they were like watching what was happening on the bridge. But I went across and then I just started like waving at the crowd <laughs> from below and they went like bananas. They started screaming and then um, I just like kept walking. It was very funny. So then we captured all of this stuff for social. Were the security guards laughing? Yeah, they actually thought it was funny. They were like, oh, ha ha, good one. Nice. But yeah. they were like, now go, like get off, leave. <laughs> but yeah, so that was basically the prank. Then the girls went back to the office, edited it, like put it up by like 3.30. So we, I was like, it needs to go up quickly for it to be relevant. And then we sat and watched and basically we could see like it was taking off. Yeah like tell us more about how it took off. I feel like I saw it in press. I saw it all over social media. I, yeah, it was going crazy. And I think we heard that Margot saw it, right? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. That came as, I only just found that out like a few weeks ago and I was like, what? Um, So apparently, yeah. So we all sat in a meeting room and like posted this footage and then we could just like see it like ticking up in views and the video now has like over two and a half million. What were people saying in the comments? Oh, so I always say like people were like, ha ha, this is hilarious. You won the internet on like Instagram. But then I always say, you know, a video is going viral on TikTok when you're getting trolled. Yeah. Like the yep. minute people start saying nasty things, I'm like, good. You kind of want to get trolled because otherwise yeah. it's not going to go viral. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, great. So many people are saying this. It's going viral. It needs to be divisive. Yes. Yeah. And like different people with different opinions, different perspectives. Yes, exactly. So when, when that was happening, like people were like, um, yeah, she went from Versace to like an off the rack age dress, like sure, Margot would never. Like there was, <laughs> it was so good. And I was actually like loving it. Fashion police in there. <laughs> yeah, literally people were being so brutal. Um, and even the girls were like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. I'm like really happy that the video is getting views. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And then we were at a dinner like three weeks ago and, um, you and me, June, and I found out that someone at the table knows Margot through friends of friends. And apparently she saw the video and was like, yeah, I loved it. Hilarious. So there you go. Margot Robbie saw the viral Margot Robbie stunt. It's just amazing. (laughs) I really loved like that stunt in particular. And I, I'm someone that's watched your marketing, you know, over the years. And I love your grassroots approach to marketing because I think a lot of the time, 
you know, especially new brands and new founders can get straight into this headspace of like, oh, I need to like hire an agency and like run ads and that's going to be my key to success. But that's just not the case. You need to really find your personality online and and win with organic content and do it in a space where it costs zero dollars. And then it's also more fun. It's so much fun. I love guerrilla marketing and organic marketing. Do you have any other fun ones that you want to share? Oh, um... Well, the recent one at Coogee I did love um, and that was an activation with the beauty chef. So TBH Skincare and the beauty chef partnered together. We went to Coogee and had like a little pop-up cart and we gave out free smoothies that were like Hayley Bieber inspired smoothies. It was actually to promote the new product launch for beauty chef, which is their clear skin supplement, which was in the smoothies on the day. And then we were giving out sort of free spot treatments and talking to people about TBH Skincare. So it was like this clear skin sort of um, partnership. But when we came together, it was like, oh, you know, like, do we want to do a giveaway on social media or do we want to do a gift with purchase? And I was like, no, I really want to like do something more. And not even from the point of like seeing people in Kuji, which obviously I did want to do, and that's great, but we're only going to see like, you know, 500 people or whatever it is. I was like, I want this for social content because the minute we're in Kuji with free smoothies and like there's immediate like content, you know, that we can get. And that for me is more valuable than necessarily like a giveaway where people are following just because they want to win something for free. Like I find sometimes those leads are lower quality. And so, yeah, we went to Coogee and we'd advertised it sort of on TikTok beforehand where the girls actually did a phenomenal job of this and I had nothing to do with it. They went out and they um, asked cafes around Sydney. They were like, hi, do you have the Hayley Bieber smoothie? And they were like, what? <laughs> um, and <laughs> so she went around like filming all of these um, like cafes basically being like, no, what are you talking about? And then she was like, if you want to find the Hayley Bieber smoothie in Sydney, come and see us in Coogee tomorrow. And that was like really clever and got like, you know, did well. So then, we, you know, by the time we got there, we were filming content and, and then we had a huge response on the day which was epic. So we actually completely ran out of stock in 20 minutes. Oh, what? (laughs) Yeah, it was chaos. Um, What'd you do? Yeah, well, we just literally, like there was just a queue down Coogee Beach and then we had to cut it off and we were like, we're going to run out. Sorry, we didn't realise it would be this crazy. And obviously there's people there who have just discovered that this thing is happening in front of them and they'd like a free smoothie. And it's great because they get the intro cold to the brand and they get to learn more about it. But then there's also, you know, the fans, genuine like people who travel to come down and like see us and meet us and yeah, people will be like, oh my gosh, I like follow you on TikTok and I love your content. And they say all these like, yeah, it's just actually so cool to see people who have been following it for so long. And even the marketing coordinator that I have, she goes out to like, she went out this weekend in Newtown or something and she was getting stopped by people in like, (laughs) in a bar being like, oh my God, hi, you're from TBH Skincare. No way. I love that. Oh my gosh. That is just so fun. I really love that. What advice do you have for, you know, other founders listening who would be hearing this and and feeling inspired? What advice do you have for them when it comes to organic content storytelling and, and coming up with these ideas, especially if you're, you know, a solo entrepreneur trying to figure things out, you know, by yourself, how can you kind of like think outside the box? Yeah. I mean, I think like the way that I would usually do it is I just put pen to paper, like no idea is a bad idea. So, you know, if I was doing it on my own, 
I'd be like, okay, what's going on that's trending? I think that is important, like knowing what is going on so that what you put up isn't just about what's going on for you. Like it can't just always be about brand and product. Sometimes you can nail a video like that, but it's much easier if you're piggybacking off something else. So I would just, you know, like write down everything that's happening at the moment. You know, I'd be like, I've said to the team, Taylor Swift and Sophie Turner, like what's in that, you know, like just always knowing like what's happening when, and then just like writing them all down. And then also like knowing how to then join the dots for yourself. And I think that's the hardest thing to do because it's, but essentially you just got to sit there until, until something sparks and just like write down the stupidest of ideas. And then if you can join the two together, then that's, I think when something really cool happens. So, you know, like for us, yes, we had this radio shout out, but then, then what, like, don't stop there. Mm. So essentially always find a way to leverage like content. If something happens in a day that, you know, is interesting, then do something with that, you know, share a story. Yeah. That should trigger the the response of, okay, now what, what do we do? How can we make this bigger? And I also think like earlier you said, you know, you have weekly editorial meetings where you discuss what's going on in the news, even as a solo entrepreneur, you know, on a Monday being like, great, what happened last week that we could jump on today and making sure that you schedule that time for yourself to brainstorm and, and kind of put things to put pen to paper, as you say. And I, I think the other thing is, and this is something that a lot of people struggle with myself included is of course there's a level of confidence to actually put this stuff out there because you want things to be perfect. You don't want to be judged online, but in reality, you just need to like not worry about perfection. Don't be crippled by that. Put it out. Just like move fast. Don't overthink it and just see what happens. You've got to build that muscle. Yeah. Progress over perfection always. And like I've had the business three and a half years and from the very day that I've, you know, decided to do it. I was online talking on stories and sharing things and I hated it. Like I remember how hard it was, like even in the car, like I'd sit in the car and like film a story and I'd film it over and over. And then I'd stop anytime someone like walked past and looked at me, you know, like, and it was just so like, and even then, like if I had to film something in the office and like when we were even in work in the shared spaces and then I had a marketing coordinator at the time and then she would like want me to film something and I'd be like, oh, like no one watch or you know what I mean? And it was just like you go through that stage, but the the more you do it, just the easier it gets. And now I, yeah, go into public and pretend to be Margot Robbie and I go into Priceline and do like the Tube Girl trend and I do these things. And I genuinely like, well, I remember doing the Priceline um, tube girl trend and there's like random people in Priceline, right? And I'm filming this video. And I said to the girls, I can't even believe that I had not even a hint of like being self-conscious or like questioning myself in that. And I think it's just, it's three and a half years of trying it and putting things out there that didn't go viral. And that's fine because eventually something did. Like you just have to keep going. Totally. And I think as well, like, it's often easy to look at people like you or like me who, you know, have a voice online and and are influential online and be like, oh yeah, but see, they're really good at it. But like, I also was actually terrified of public speaking. Like I was the shyest. I was never comfortable on camera or talking like this on a podcast. Like that was my worst nightmare. And it took about 70 episodes to get into a bit of a groove, but like I just really wanted that skill set. So I was like, I'm going to just keep going, even though I probably suck. <laughs> You've got to try. Yeah. And I hear people say stumble forward. 
And I think like that is literally what I do every day. Like whether it is with social media or with other things, I'm just constantly and in a very messy, chaotic way sometimes stumbling forward to the next thing in the next day, but I just never stop. So you then you you look back and you're like, oh my God, I learned all this stuff and I came all this way, but it just seemed so, yeah, so clumsy when I was doing it. Yeah. It's growth. <laughs> I think that's what they call growth. <laughs> yeah. Growth. Yeah. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. <laughs>